0: Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 48 of the Hellraiser Podcast. Today we sat down with Paul T. Taylor, the new pinhead. We had a chat with him over Skype and here's what he had to say. We're very lucky to be joined today by Paul T. Taylor, the new pinhead. Hello, Paul. Hello, how are you? We're very well. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm very well. It's a nice hot day in Dallas, Texas in October. Oh, I, lovely. Wow. Nice. Oh. <laughs>
0: it's a nice uh, rainy dark night in London, England So Terrific.
1: <laughs> that's new. <laughs> yeah, very hell-raisery here, so yes, that's fine. Yeah. That's good. Yes. Yes. In a way it's hell-raisery here too. Well, that's good. Yes.
0: Um so how so how's it all going? How are you feeling about the whole thing at the moment?
1: Uh, you know what actually quite honestly I'm a little frustrated It's uh, it's been a year and a half since I finished filming this thing and I don't know how long it's been finished and I don't know how long uh, the Weinsteins have had it but just waiting and waiting and waiting and having absolutely no word on when it's coming out the only thing I'm told by Gary J. Tunnicliffe is they love the film and they have a plan and that's you know that's all I can go Ooh. on so okay. um, you know I it's always colored by how grateful I am I mean this opportunity came along and here I am but but I've never I've done a few movies in my career and I've never had to wait this long for something to come out and and this is the one film where you know big things could happen when it comes out for me I don't know what's going to happen I don't it depends on the reaction I think you know um I mean, things have already happened. I'm going to conventions and I'm very grateful for that because that's a new revenue stream and I'm getting to meet these really crazy, groovy people who who come to me with love and acceptance and uh, most of them, even if they're hardcore, you know, Doug Bradley fans, which I mean, if you love Hellraiser, how can you not be? Yeah, One, yeah. The ones who come up to my table are totally on my side, not that there's my side and someone else's side, but they're... They're they're mm. not judging me until after they see it, and they're just glad that another Hellraiser film's coming out, and as am I. So I mean, it's all yeah, you know, it's all um, it's all good. But some days I'm really tired of the question. So any news on the on the release? And I'm like, no. Yeah. When you no. know when I know everyone who pays attention to my social media will know because. I'm the one who's the most excited about it, you know? <laughs> I've been working, I've been, I, I just, I have known about this for so long and people say great, wonderful things to me and then once in a while you'll get the guy saying, um, you know, it's probably never going to even come out, it's probably so bad, these, t- these total cynics who are just Debbie Downers and it's, I don't need, I mean, mostly I can ignore that because I think it's just stupid, it's just silly. Yeah,
0: I think you're going to have to um, start ignoring a lot of things you see, read and see online because people are just
1: mean. (laughs) Oh, people are mean. And I was warned from the beginning. I mean, when when Tunnicliffe uh, cast me in the role, the first thing he said to me over the phone before we even met in person uh, was that I was taking on a responsibility that was going to with it was going to come some some negative backlash. But Huge, I, yeah. I've been a professional actor for 35 years. This is the biggest and coolest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm an actor who auditioned well and got a role. That's it. That's yeah. did my job. That in itself is something that no one can take away from me. Now, if, if people yeah. hate me, if people just see it and hate me as Pinhead, that's another thing entirely. But there's always, I'm going to always have it. Um, and a friend... A really good actor friend of mine, who I did the Rocky Horror show with decades ago, he was Frankenfurter. I was in the chorus, getting my equity points, um, <laughs> and he now lives in New York. And and but he texted me as soon as he heard about it, and he said, "Congratulations on your instant cult status." And I just
2: yeah took that
1: in, and I was like, "Wow, that's kind of it's kind of freaky." But
2: did that um did that um in any way color your performance? Uh, in the film, did you have that in the back of your mind at all? Because I, I, I imagine that would stress me out a bit well, while I was trying to film.
1: I had, I did, fortunately, have several weeks to prepare um, before I shot. So oh. that, so I had time to sort of get over that. There, I, yeah. I was watching, like every night, watching all the Hellraiser films that I already had on DVD, and I was just watching them and watching them and watching them to soak up Doug Bradley, to soak up Hellraiser. And then Gary said to me one day he said you need to stop watching those now and start watching great villain work by other actors. And so I started doing that. And I in a way I I made it my own. It's a new costume design. I had mm-hmm. to get over it. I had to get over it because I did a play. Yeah. I did a play decades ago where I it was a comedy and I was uh, that had been running for 30 years and just a ridiculous comedy that's a great formula but the script is silly but it's very well written so anyway I was coming into this machine that was this this show that runs in several cities including internationally and um, I was expected in a way I was expected to duplicate the performance that the original actor had created 35 years before it's like there's no way that anyone can be funny when they are trying to be somebody else now if you i know this from experience you just can't you can't try to be somebody else and and do a good job because you're you're not i mean i know that's the job when you're a broadway understudy your job or a swing your job is to go on that stage and duplicate the the performance which i can't imagine really enjoying all that much except for the paycheck i don't know i've never been there so i'm not judge (laughs) not going to judge that but um there came a time when I just, when Gary said to me, and I agreed, I just had to make Pinhead my own Pinhead. That's yeah. when I started calling myself Pinhead Paul because I know it's kind of silly sounding, but it's like I, I ain't no Doug Bradley. What um, <laughs> the only the only things that were really important to me that that Doug Bradley brought to the role there were only two. It was the 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 accent, of course. I had to have the British accent. You can't not. You can't not have that. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, the stillness. This the because when you look like that, you don't have to work hard to be scary because you're already terrifying. So yeah. from there I just went deep inside my own darkness, my own history with suffering and, and, and just being in a really dark place. And just went from there because that was that, that's what brought the that's what brings the performance to life. Is when you use mm. your own stuff, but if you're just trying to impersonate somebody else, not so much. And yeah, that's um, it, it, it's. And when I started doing that, then it started to become fun, because yeah, okay, all I was doing was I was at home in my house in Dallas, Texas. I had all the most of the time the lights were out. I would just. I'd, it's not. It's kind of a scary neighborhood too. It's not the. It's kind of sketchy. It's not a good neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, I started. Um, I started smoking cigarettes because I thought I'd make my voice lower, which, as it turns out, was not necessary. But I was doing it. <laughs> right. And then I would take walks in my neighborhood, something that I would never have done at night before. But I would just dress in black and I'd walk around my own neighborhood and dare danger to come to me and. Like you can't hurt me. I'm pinhead. All this stuff. It's really, <laughs> it's really funny because if you know me, many describe me as just the nicest guy in the world and someone who is sensitive and and has no no thick wall and and is very open and and uh, and and likes to make people laugh. Whereas. <laughs> But I love to go to those monster places. I, I I love playing monster more than anything in the world. I've always, ever since my first Halloween when I was a kid, uh, grown up in Kansas. The only thing, what I really loved was being, um, being scary, grotesque, and unrecognizable, and that's what I love. And so to get to play Pinhead was the was the penultimate. It was like being uh, in in the ho- Halloween of in the holiday of Halloween for an entire week, you know, with professionals yeah. p- making me look like that. It was, and then being on a film set and the first thing that Gary Tunnicliffe said to me, um, no, not the very first thing on the set because we filmed some other scenes that were much smaller and quiet and no one else was there, but the big, you know, showdown scenes in the rooms with the, cha- the room with the chains and the, the hell hell room. Um, was, let's make Paul Taylor a movie star. I was like, I like the sound of that. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, is this just something Gary says or is this a possibility? And, it, and it's, you know, everything's possible. So it was it was just a very exciting experience. I totally got off track with your question there. but
0: um, That's okay. Yeah. Um, when you were researching and, and watching all these other movies of different villains, like you said, were there any particular performances that stood out that you took from that weren't necessarily doug Brady, but other other yeah. villains you were watching as well um
1: uh, uh um rafe um rafe it's his last name fines thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ra- rafe fines in um um schindler's list was one not that pinhead has a gun not that he's german it's just his total ego this complete—he's—he's—he's—I do not know if you described him as a sociopath, but just that complete disregard and coldness for anyone else's feelings—that—that—and um, actually, Anthony Hopkins, uh, his stillness and intensity and in silence of the lambs, mm. uh, yeah, um, yeah—and—and it's—it's funny uh, the. The first time I went out to L.A. to get my head cast done so they could do the makeup was when I met Gary in person. And and one of the first things he showed me was a scene from uh, from Star Wars where Peter Cushing as the em- emperor, emperor, captain,
0: He's Moth uh, Moff Tarkin. That's what it is. Death That's Star. what it <laughs> is. What he yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. <First> time, <laughs> but,
1: it's it's the scene with with Princess Leia where they're on this yeah. Death Star and he he makes her choose which which um, planet or ship uh, to 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 destroy because she has information he wants and she gives him I I don't remember this that well it's his reaction that I'm getting to but she gives yeah. him the information mm-hmm. and then he blows up one of he destroys a planet anyway and she goes no. And he just very simply says, "You're far too trusting." And I, and and as soon as he says, "You're far too trusting," Gary goes, "That's you. That's your Pinhead." There he is. I'm like, and and yeah. and on set, before every almost every take, if it was a big scene where it didn't have to be terribly small, but still it needed the intensity of Pinhead with all the power, but not trying too hard because then you're going after it. Um, would just say just throw it away you're far too trusting and I would just say you're far too trusting a couple of times and then and then uh, camera and action and I would just be there it was really he was really great at handling me as an actor and knowing exactly what I needed so but yeah it's the stillness of those villains that we're all very familiar with um, that really influenced what I did
2: um, I'm just interested did you did you find that the 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 makeup and the costume uh influenced your performance as well because I mean it doesn't look very comfortable it's not so was that a part of it
1: <laughs> first, <laughs> as well first thing to address the uncomfortable I mean the worst thing about it was the neck piece because actually it, it, it was too tall it was too high the first time they put it on me this black you know the, the neck piece that that and, yeah. and so that was extremely uncomfortable. And if I looked down, I had a double chin, and you can't have a pinhead with a double chin. Come on, it is yeah, yeah. not. Does not, <laughs> except maybe in a spoof. Um, so I had to have my head forward, I mean up and forward, and then they did lower it a bit, so that was not quite as bad. And then the other uncomfortable bit about it was the contact lenses, because I wore full black sclera contacts, and if you know, if you get something under those. Y- something has to be done. It either has to be taken out and reinserted, or or moisture added, or whatever, or take something to get the goop, of the the blob of goop that's accumulated in your eye. The contacts works because there's a lot of irritants from the fog and the smoke and everything that's and the dust mm-hmm. that's on the set. So that okay, that was the uncomfortableness I had to deal with. But having said that, the makeup. W- once it was on me, and, of course, I watched the whole process of it going on and knew that I was becoming this monster. And once, it, and, and, and as I've said before, I, I like being unrecognizable and grotesque. And um, I also actually loved getting the head cast done because I also like being sort of in a cocoon. I like being encased. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe it's the womb. I don't know what it. go <laughs> there, but um, but I, I actually loved having the makeup on. It, it 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 made me. I was comfortable in it, and and the costume itself, except for the neck piece, was fine. I mean, it it wasn't terribly tight. It looks tight, but it was actually pretty comfortable and easy to get in and out of. Um, but the most amazing thing was when, I, when I went to shoot my first scene, I walked out of the trailer, onto the sidewalk, and then through the doors of the warehouse to go in to shoot. And all these crew members are standing around chatting or whatever, and and they turn and see me, and I hear these audible gasps, and some of them mm-hmm. step back and go, "Whoa!" And I just and at that point I was so pinhead because. I didn't look (laughs) at anyone. I knew I had all the power, which is exactly what Pinhead has. And I didn't have to work at it because I, who, I mean, everyone loves power. Everyone loves it. I think it's human. It's human nature. I don't know. But knowing I had that power and it had been given to me, it had been given to me by the powers that be. It was much like Pinhead himself. It it was just it was amazing, and and the stillness became so easy. And I very rarely talked to anyone on the set, except to be kind enough to say, you know, could you get me a water? Because I didn't want to engage. I didn't I didn't want to be Paul while I was in the makeup. To a certain extent, mm. I mean, you let that go. I'm not I'm not I didn't go all method to play Pinhead. I mean. The, thank god oh, yeah exactly <laughs> i'm not daniel day lewis i did years to prepare i took three months to prepare or maybe less i don't remember exactly how long i had but i think i was lucky with the amount of time i did have um
0: yeah it sounds like compared to what they had to prepare for revelations um they had you know about a fortnight for that and yeah total, it's, so it's, it sounds like they at least they gave you some more time
1: yeah and money and this hopefully and the, and the money yes and the script was the script of judgment is better now. Gary wrote both of those, but when he wrote Revelations, I believe that it just the story is it just came out of oh my God we're going to lose the franchise write a script and so he wrote a script very quickly and didn't have a chance to do rewrites and improve it and tweak it and make it you know what it really could have been because mm. the concept of the script is kind of cool but it 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 was not. It it, it it just didn't have enough time or money. That's all. It just didn't have enough going for it. Um, I think Judgment not only has a bigger budget, but that Gary had a lot more time to r- write the script, and it came from a place of of his actual connection and love for Clive Barker's writing. So, um, and granted, it, it did... Judgment has gone through some metamorphoses. Uh, it... it, it um, I don't know the exact story but apparently it was it could have been a different movie and not a Hellraiser film but it could have also been a Hellraiser film because of because it's so related to the Hellraiser world already.
0: Mm. So Yeah, that's what we heard something similar. Yeah.
1: California. And when it became when it was decided it would become a Hellraiser film, there was this new element, I guess it's new, I don't know, you'd have to talk to him to know for sure, but it seems mm. like there was this element of Hellraiser, that was all about creating a new mechanism, as it were, um, besides the lament configuration, and like a a, a predicament, a pickle that uh, that Pinhead and the Cenobites are in, and they need to come up with something new so they can so they can have an improved method of gathering souls. So. Uh, and then, of course, of course, just like the first Hellraiser, in every good Hellraiser film, there was the story of the horrible humans. And that's where a mm-hmm. Hellraiser film starts. Um, although I do have the first line in the movie, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's been edited. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very exciting. Very exciting. So. so.
0: let's talk a bit about the film then, about Judgment itself, because you're giving some little, little yeah, hints I here. I know you can't give away. too much away. I but...
1: can't. No, 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 no. I'd be.
0: But it sounds like there is a, there's a human story, and the Cenobites and Pinhead have their own story as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's related to the human story, of course. Um, but, and it's no secret if you if you read stuff that's already been written about it, stuff that's said by Gary already, that that there is a and on IMDb, that there is a serial killer. Um, Mm -hmm. and that is the basic story of Hellraiser is this serial killer. Who's a bit like the villain from seven. Um, there's a bit of that, uh, seven deadly sins kind of, um, way of killing people. Uh, except when you read the script, it's, it's, it's very, some of these ways that he kills people are very, very clever. And, um, Really twisted, only from the mind of Gary Tunnicliffe. Um <laughs> And uh, so what
0: can what can you tell us about Pinhead's story in this film?
1: I can tell you that he makes a questionable decision, and there are some consequences. But really, I don't okay. want to say anything more than that because no fair I, enough. I, 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 abs- I can't say anything more than that. It's, what's exciting about that, though, to me, is that Pinhead actually has an arc in this story. Um, I mean, I know that classic villains such as Jason or Michael Myers, they don't really change uh, who they are. They don't really have arcs. They're these, you can't kill them. They're not mm. really human. They're immortal. Pinhead is different in that he's been given... A type of immortality. But those, I think when you're given something, it can be taken away. And he actually thinks. Because um, mm. I don't think those other characters really think. They just do. They just, they are killing machines and that's what they do. Whereas Pinhead is there, has a purpose. So he, he's more eloquent and he actually speaks from his heart and from his head. Well, from his head. I don't know if he, his heart, that's enough story <laughs> with Pinhead. <laughs> But um, I think that his ego gets the better of him, and I think that's so cool. Um, and part of the reason the film is called Judgment, uh, but I, I'm not gonna won't go into that anymore because it's all... I mean, that's that the, 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 you could say the same thing about the serial killer. He's yeah. judgment as well. So. Kind of a-
0: And you've said, in, we've heard you said in other interviews as well, that there, there's the possibility for a sequel is left open to so there could be a continuation of the story. Is, is that something that Gary is hoping for?
1: I don't. I haven't talked to him about it at all. I just know I, about that particular question. I just know that that uh, from the script, there's an opportunity to take what happens in judgment and go And make some advance the story from that, and not just have another, you know, like the last four, five Hellraiser films. Mm -hmm. They have not been related. They have not. The stories have not had an arc. It's just been here's a script, and here's Hell, and here's Pinhead, and and some of them are clever. Well, some of them are more clever than others. And um, (laughs) uh, um, like for example, I. I personally loved the pseudo-pinhead in uh, Revelations. I thought it was cool that, yeah. that Pinhead would take it's a great the person idea. and turn him into a pinhead in his own likeness. Yeah, That's like godlike. That's what, you know, I, I thought that was so cool. Um, a great concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that actually, in a way, that actually left. I don't remember how that movie ended, actually. So I don't know if that left it open for a sequel. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there are a couple things that happen at the end of Judgment that could lead uh, many fans happily, happily to another sequel. If you, you take a look at um, the comic books and the and the stories that fans yeah. have come up with or that Clyde Barker's been involved with stories but he's only written them or and someone else has done the art or whatever in a lot of the Hellraiser comics there's some stuff in this movie, that sets up some possibilities for some of those elements in those comic books, and I think Gary was really brilliant to do that. Um, and there are some new characters, and uh, I don't know. I just think I think definitely. I mean, I know definitely that it could, and something happens to Pinhead that's kind of. I-, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> But um, some things need to be resolved, you know, at the end of it. It would be so, nice
0: to have a continuation rather than it get with, five years in line, yeah. dimension films yeah. say ah quick quick Hellraiser film. I know
1: exactly, and <laughs> you know I know, I know that Clive Barker I I know he's so busy and that his health is not is not great, and I know that these are major issues with, with uh, well I don't know what the, I don't know what the bottom line is. Of course the studios never talked to me about any of this, but and Clive's never called me. But um, the, the fact that he was asked to write a reboot and apparently wrote a reboot and delivered it to Dimension and then Dimension didn't do the film and with Doug Bradley as Pinhead, which I would think that just sounds insane. It sounds insane, like an insanely good idea. That's a reboot. Yeah. Look at, I mean, we have Leatherface this year. We have the remake of It. We have all this yeah. stuff going, we have like origin origin stories. Not that there hasn't already been a Hellraiser origin story, but but to do a reboot, a big budget reboot with Doug Bradley, with Clyde Barker writing and, and possibly directing it, would be incredible. But I yeah. you know, I don't know what goes into these decisions. And of
2: course, do you think that maybe um, maybe some of the stuff that clive's coming out with is a bit challenging perhaps and do you think there's maybe the studio trying to keep it hellraiser in a in a box if you will probably, and trying to keep it you know, in a certain thing
1: that's valid that's valid because maybe i don't know i, I think, can only th- i think, can only guess i think clive gets bored easily and yeah. he's got so, his mind is so uh, everywhere and out there and I think that that probably is is very much you know maybe he he wrote the Hellbound Heart so he could make Hellraiser so that he could do um, the um, blanking on the title of that movie the Nightbreed Nightbreed thank you yeah you know apparently I mean that's a story I've read that that in order to be able to do Nightbreed he first had to do something more uh, lower budget that's why he wrote Hellbound Heart you know maybe he going from there he would want to make so many like what he would think w- were improvements so yeah mm, i think yeah. that's possible the, you know maybe they just don't want to take a chance and uh, yeah but it, and they've got to be aware of how many fans there are i mean yeah, it's it, yeah. it's international uh,
2: it, there's money to be made here
1: there's money <laughs> for made, sure you know and it could even be a film that could be put into theaters, you know, an actual theatrical mm. release. But that would be it, nice. It would be nice. That'd be nice. It'd be. <laughs> it would be nice if I knew that Judgment was going to do that. But I really doubt. I sincerely doubt that it will be. I, I. I think that. Um, it's just too expensive to put a film in theaters. Uh, a. Cor- no, it's a
0: shame because we just had a, a horror festival here in London and yeah. um, the Fright Fest, and I went to see. Um, Cult of Chucky there, and it's such a shame that they didn't think about that in advance. We had a screening of Judgment there.
2: Come I on,
1: yeah. No, I know. Just do a scre do a screening, do a surprise screening, or or yeah, that, that would have been awesome. Or a freaking trailer for God's sake! Uh, just anything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Gary just says, "Just be patient, Paul. They they love the film and they have a plan." I'm like, okay, all right. So I, we've been I, talking
0: about this, and shor- surely a plan would be get it out by Halloween. By Halloween, at least. that would be a great plan,
1: <laughs> wouldn't it? This yeah. is the second Halloween they could wait—not second, but this is—it would have been perfect. And when wow,
2: like, they we should have all it, run a studio. Yeah, we've we got should. a great plan.
1: <laughs> Put a horror
2: film out at Halloween.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. Yes. <laughs> I know. I went to uh, I went to see it the other night, and I'm watching the trailers and. There's a trailer for Leatherface and there's a trailer for yeah. I thought it was Children of the Corn, but it was Leatherface. Um, <laughs> and and then there's a there was another one, too, that's an origin horror film. I can't remember what it was right now. And I'm like, why isn't Howard or Judgment one of these trailers to get this audience? Of course, it's probably partially because it's Dimension Films and this was yeah. another company. You know, I know how that works, but um, I don't know. Just wish I knew. So
0: going back to um, to judgment for a moment, then what yeah. can you tell us about the other Cenobites or creatures or monsters that are with you in the in the movie?
1: Yeah, well, the, I can tell you that um, uh, Chatterer is in Hellraiser Judgment, and uh, the Stitch. Th- huh? Yay! Is it hooray? And um, uh, and the the Stitch twins are in Hellraiser Judgment. Now, other than that. Um, there and Pinhead of course there are no Cenobites that we've seen before there are a couple Uh that are new creations and then there are are some new demons which aren't Cenobites who work with the Cenobites in this
0: yes we've we've, we've read the breakdowns of some of those characters
1: yeah yeah, exactly you've seen the pictures Um, and people are just saying that sucks that doesn't look good blah 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 you know, it's like some of them are demons, some of them are Cenobites. So to say that doesn't look like a Cenobite, well, maybe it isn't a Cenobite. I don't know. I wasn't really clear. I mean, I, I didn't shoot scenes with anyone else besides the Assessor, which is a new character, a character I au- actually auditioned for and thought I would get, and, uh, right. rather than Pinhead. But no, I got Pinhead. And, um, and, uh, and Chatterer. And then the horrible human beings. And a new yeah. character that I don't want to tell you about. <laughs> oh. a, fema- a female. A <laughs> female. That's all I'm going to say. A new female and you get a lover. That's all I'm going to say. Um, okay. Yeah. Exciting. But uh, and she's related. She's related in a distant way to. I've said too much. <laughs>
0: um, speaking of females in the movie, um, the main reason that this all came out was because of Heather Langenkamp. Yeah, <laughs> Who just Heather. let it slip randomly.
1: I love her now. I mean, that was... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I had just... I had just arrived in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, home of Hellraiser Judgment. Um, <laughs> to start my filming. And I think it was the day I arrived, or that night, was when the internet exploded because Heather had told someone, yeah, and I'm in the new Hellraiser film, which was supposed to be a big secret. So mm-hmm. suddenly it's not a secret, <laughs> and I just want to concentrate on making my movie. But, of course, every night I'm in my hotel room looking at my phone just going, oh, my God, they want to know who's playing Pinhead. Oh, my God, it's all about mm-hmm. this. It's all about Doug it not Pinhead. And it became a thing, of course. But uh, you know, I got over that and I filmed my movie. But what's what's really wonderful that's come out of that is it's given me already, it's given me a um, <clears throat> sort of secondary income stream because I've been going to conventions and events related to horror and to Hellraiser, um, mm. and it's a new revenue stream for me. And it's not, of course, a huge amount of money like like Doug Bradley is making, but I mean I think that's what he does for a living basically is he goes to conventions mm. and good for him I mean those fans will plunk down that cash and I'm am ju- pretty amazed because celebrity came to me unexpectedly it, it I live in Dallas Texas and it's not exactly the film capital of the world you know I moved back to Dallas from New York I mean and, and never expected anything like this to happen anyway okay I got off track there but yeah I I saw I met Heather at um Texas Frightmare uh, over a year ago yeah over a year ago and she was there signing autographs and I was just there because a friend of mine had said Paul you need to come to the convention with me not as a guest but just as a paying participant and and see what it's like so I said okay let's do this so I I Gave my card to her handler and I said, "Would you tell Heather that um, I'm Pinhead and that I'd like to say hello?" And she stopped what she was doing. She had a line a, line a mile long. Everyone loves Heather Lang in camp, and um, and uh, she came over to me and she said, "Welcome to your new life." And gestured around, yeah. like, "Cool!" Because I really yeah. love the conventions. I just They're a blast. I mean, they can be, if you're tired, they're just, they're a lot of work and you can get tired of being, you know, fresh and energetic with every single person and answering the same questions. But if you're rested and in, you know, I mean, when I'm, when I'm going, I'm going and I'm having the best time. I mean, I really, these people come up to the table with just, Love and adulation, and and they're nervous to meet me, and it's like this is a ridiculous. Movie, <laughs> the movie hasn't even come out yet, and they're all yeah. really freaked out. Um, and I often say, you know, I'm not Doug Bradley, right? And they say, oh yeah, I know, I don't care. It's like okay, all right, <laughs> uh, I'll sign your toy. That's not really me, but I, you know, <laughs> you know. I anyway, it's been it's been really cool. So I thank, I thank. Uh, Ms. Langenkamp for that.
0: Yeah. Well, if she hadn't said anything, we might still not know about yeah. to... it. I know. You'd be exploding well, would,
1: right now. I <laughs> have an ulcer. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> so speaking of your new life of conventions, what's coming up? What's next for you? Where can people meet you?
1: Truly, uh, well, the, 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 I'm going to Alabama uh, October, the weekend of October 27 to Atrox Factory, which is uh, a haunted attraction um, and they, they have, I think for every weekend in October, because I've already had their, f- or they're having their first guest that, I don't know. Anyway, they're, they're five different guests. I'm the final guest, but every weekend they have a different horror guest and I'm the final guest. Doug Bradley did it last year. So I'm like, right, what are you doing here? You just, uh, <laughs> <I'm> not <laughs> telling people I'm Doug Bradley. No, they couldn't possibly, cause there's my <laughs> name, but, um, yeah, so that's the next one I'm doing. I just did a thing in San Antonio, uh, Texas, which was um, called MonsterCon, and met. Just it was it's a family friendly one, uh, where admission is free, so which is different than a lot of conventions, <clears throat> and so people have more money to spend. A so that's an easier sell, and um, and San Antonio is. Is just insane for for conventions. I mean, it's happening down there. It's just this huge, this huge city. And you know, Hurricane um, Harvey. Everyone's uh, you know working on responding from that. But it seems like the turnout was really healthy. Anyway, um, last year I got to go to. Well, this isn't upcoming now, but I did get to go to New Jersey to go to um, Famous Monster. No, wait, that was Dallas. Famous Monsters of Filmland was Dallas. Got to go to see Chil- to Chiller Theater in New Jersey. That was cool. And uh and I've a great agent, Sean Clark. He's with um uh conventionallstars.com in LA and he's gotten me some really great stuff. And then I've gotten some stuff on my own that's, you know, maybe it's not as big a deal, but I just if someone wants me to come to a convention or to a movie uh a movie screening or something. I like a couple years, a couple weeks ago was the to the day I'm sure you guys know this, the thirtieth anniversary of the first Hellraiser. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, to a screening of that and did a little appearance and that was that was great fun. I mean, there's all and every every time I go to one of these things I have a great time. It's just it's like I get to go out of town and, and or not necessarily out of town, but I get to go meet people and get paid to do it.
2: Yeah, which is also amazing because obviously the movie's not come out yet, so I mean, I I feel for you because obviously there's a very limited amount of questions you can answer and and ask and what, you know, so when the movie comes out, obviously it's going to really open up for you.
1: Yeah, well, that's what, thank you for, every time someone reminds me of that, I just sort of, my heart does a little jig because it can (laughs) get depressing, it can get depressing that, that it hasn't come out yet, but... The thing about it is I'm in I'm I'm the age I am now. I've been doing this for as many years as I've been doing it. I'd sort of accepted that I was going to be a not just, but I was going to be a theater actor ex- pretty much exclusively for the rest of my life. And theater doesn't pay a lot and I don't live in New York. I'm not I'm not doing Broadway. And that was okay except that's exactly what I was doing 20 years ago. But still, it's okay. I live in a market. Dallas, Texas. Dallas-Fort Worth has a gr- it's it's a great theater town, and I can work enough weeks uh, under an equity contract to get my insurance to get my in- health to qualify for health insurance every year. And I've been uh, qualified for health insurance for many, many decades now. Well, for a long time now. So that's <laughs> that's um, that's wonderful. So for this to suddenly come out of nowhere and. It's a new chapter in my life, and when it does come out, things are going to happen. My, my, yeah. my friend John said to me, he said, Paul, either the people are going to hate it, but you still have it, and they're still going to want to see you because you're in that terrible cult film. That's not going to happen because it's wonderful. Or <laughs> it's going to be fine, and so are you because you're just going to keep doing conventions. You're going to do conventions no matter what. Or it's going to be a hit, and your career is just going to go boom maybe i don't know when you're when you're when you have pinhead makeup on and you're in a genre and it's a genre film you know i don't think you're going to go from that to winning an academy award in a drama with meryl streep or something but the possibilities the possibilities open open up so much mm. that it gives me it gives me new life and it gives me new hope for my own career and and I just wish my parents were still alive because my mother passed February 28 of this year, and this stuff had been happening already. And mm. she knew it was happening, and and but it never—I I have not exploded. And if I'm, I, I you know, it's—I guess it's—it's it's a classic story, I think. You know, somebody works all their life to an actor or whatever to make it, as it were, whatever make it means. It's kind of a silly expression, I think. I mean, what happens when you've made it? Then you don't have to work anymore. That's exactly not what happens. You know, <laughs> yeah. making it means you keep working. Um, uh, but yeah, they're not—they're not here to actually. Well, or they are here and they're watching me, depending on what you believe. <laughs> yeah. You know. But uh, so that's—it—that that's, kind of makes me sad sometimes. But but you know they made me the person i am and i'm grateful grateful for that okay i'm not going to talk about that anymore blah
0: okay um so when the film does come out yeah will you talk to us again and have a big spoilery conversation about it then
1: absolutely (laughs) yes (laughs) well i'll have to discuss it with gary first or whoever Uh, you know you know what gary's the only one i ever talked to so it'll have to be gary i but um i don't know if i've ever said anything in magazine or, or or interviews um that have come out that have been spoilers that the studio would have said, oh, no, don't say that. I don't know if I ever have because I've never been censored. I've never been edited. I've never been talked to about it. And I'm just using my own ju- judgment. Judgment. See that? <laughs> I'm just using my own judgment on it because I, I know that people don't want, well, some people want spoilers, but that, what's that going to do? That's going to do nothing but harm. So, um
2: yeah, yeah we agree we, we, we'd
0: much rather see the film and be surprised by it than yeah. know everything about it right now
1: I'd rather tantalise people you know <laughs> yeah and make them want to see it um, because I do think the fans are going to be happy with it those who give it a chance so good yeah
0: well we're looking forward to seeing it we will give it a chance definitely thank yeah you. absolutely thank
1: you I am so grateful that you guys wanted to interview me I really am <laughs> it was a nice surprise because no one from London that's okay. Lo- I assume London, I just say London. No one from England yeah, has, okay. <laughs> no no one from London, I mean, this is my first time talking to Brits about the film, besides Gary. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's been kind of wonderful. Now Clive Barker needs to get me on a Skype. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Ah. And your convention agent needs to get you over to London to do a convention over here. Yeah.
1: Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Sean? Are you listening? Are you yeah. watching? <laughs> Make sure he sees it. But you know, I. Okay. I, I, he's, you know, he has. This is what's really wonderful. Um, you know, Gary had a, a business. Gary Tanencliff had a business called um, th- um, Two Hours, Two Hours in the Dark, Two Hours in the Dark. Yes, and it was his makeup and effects um, yeah. company that he had for twenty years, um, I think, or maybe more. And. Uh, Right after Hellraiser Judgment, he decided to sell everything and close down the business and move to Bulgaria, which he has since done. He lives in Romania, so there he is. But he invited my agent, Sean, over because he knows him and he knows that he collects stuff, horror memorabilia. And he said, before I have the big sale you can come over and you can buy stuff. I, could, I think uh, Sean says he, he bought a working puzzle box, you know, one of the ones that wow. used on the set. And he bought part of my makeup and, and stuff. <laughs> I didn't get to keep any of that. Ah. But um, <laughs> apparently Gary showed him a rough cut of the movie and of my scenes. And it wasn't until after he saw that, because he already had my information because of my friend who's in The Walking Dead, because he represents all the guys in The Walking Dead who had texted me and said, "Do you want me to send your information to my agent?" I said yes. He had my information, but he didn't call me until after he saw this uh, this rough cut. And I took that as a very good sign. So- I just took that as a very good sign. Yeah, because Sean yeah. Clark knows horror and he knows what's going to sell. And so you know, but but his basic thing is, you know, he says most promoters don't want to book me until after the movie comes out, and I can understand that, you know? Yeah, um, sure. So the ones that I have that I have done already I'm very grateful for, and and, and the fact that I got Atrox Factory in Alabama for, I just want to say to me, <clears throat> a a very generous amount of money. I just was like, what? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, it's just crazy just crazy to me, crazy to me, crazy money. So, um, that that's just it both bodes, bodes very well, and it just fills me with joy. And it and, and and there's stuff that I'm working on now in in my hometown, not my hometown, in my in this town, Dallas. People are writing scripts and they're wanting me to be in their films and their short film. Yeah, I'm getting more commercials, and I'm getting more industrial work and i'm just being seen more and i'm taking being taken more seriously as an actor and i don't know if it's because of hellraiser judgment or it's because my attitude is so much better than it was before i got the film because i was a little tired tired of the business but i'm not tired of the business all of a sudden now i'm i'm rejuvenated, (laughs) and there's this one film that that i'm that i can't talk about but it's 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 going to be wonderful, and if all of the funding goes through, it's going to be a local Dallas film. But if the funding goes through, it's going to be a pretty nice budget, and I'm going to be a new screen baddie. And it's going to—it's not—it's not pinhead. It's not impersonating. Not imperson. It's not playing another character that's already been established. It's doing my own yeah. thing, and I'm just so excited about it. I'm just so psyched. So. Knock on wood that that that, that go- yeah. Well, best of luck yeah, with that one. Then. Thank you. Thank you. It's exciting. And I
2: think, I think, uh, definitely, you know, there's so much, as you've already stated, goodwill about this new movie because, yeah. yeah, no one who's a true Hellraiser fan wants it to be bad. We all want you to have a, you know, a fantastic, <laughs> successful role in it, the film to be successful. Yeah. Because we want more Hellraiser.
1: Exactly. You know? so. Exactly. So, uh, there, yeah, we don't need the cynicism, do we? No, we don't need no, the cynics. No. We just need the. But <laughs> you know, I, 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 yes, I tend to be a bit cynical myself. And so when that stuff comes at me, I sometimes go to that negative place instead of having that attitude. So thank you for that, for reminding me that those people just don't get it. Is the thing they don't get okay. it that that this is a good thing that a Hellraiser film has been made, and the reasons. For Doug Bradley not being in it are irrelevant. You know he's not in it, so yeah, exactly. You want another Hellraiser film, or do you not want another?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So anyway, we're gonna
0: have to wrap up, I'm afraid, in a moment. Okay. But thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah.
1: Thank you. It was my pleasure. Extreme,
0: and we will talk to you again once the films come out and it's settled and everyone's seen it. Then we'll talk to you again and we'll talk through everything about it. Then yes,
1: <laughs> I look forward to it, and I'll tell you about my nicotine overdose sometime let me know it was crazy some other time some other day
0: okay well best of luck with everything paul and the conventions and everything please let us know the second you know when the film's coming out i
1: will oh i will
0: (laughs) so there we go that was our interview with paul t taylor the new pinhead thank you for listening if you want to find out when Hellraiser Judgment's coming out, then please join us on Facebook, Hellraiser Podcast, and follow us on Twitter, at HellraiserCast. and as soon as we know, we'll let you know as well. And also let's get chatting, tell us what you think, how you're feeling about the new film coming out soon. Well, hopefully soon. Thanks again for listening, we'll be back soon with another podcast. Till then,
2: goodbye. You're far too trusty.